Adding wholesale as a channel to your store is a great way to increase revenue. But how do you offer customer-specific pricing in Shopify? Well, naturally, there's a bold app for that. It's called Customer Pricing. And it's great for wholesale, of course, but it's also cool to add things like a VIP program where you reward your best customers. So it's easy to use. To put a customer in a price group, you just tag their customer account. Or, if you want to get fancy, you can auto-tag customers into groups based off how much they've spent, how often they order, where they're from, or what products they purchased. So it's really powerful. For example, if they've spent $500 or more, you could tag them as silver, and they get 5% off. $1,000 or more, they get tagged gold, they get 10% off. You could even do it by how many times they've ordered and even what country they're from. With the tagging by product purchase feature, you could actually sell a membership product and then give them a member discount. So if you're a Costco member, this should sound familiar, because it's exactly what they do. To try it out free for two months, head to ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines, and it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability, and it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording from EtherCycle headquarters in outside Chicago in Westfield Old Orchard Mall. Uh, let's see what we got here. So when starting out with your first store or with your store, most folks struggle to get their first sale, right? That's the hardest part is get that first sale. And then if you do, you find, you know, quickly, you find where you fit, you find your product market fit. And then once you know that, and you've got those, those first couple sales, you can get traction in your niche. That's step two. And then once you've got that traction, you set your sights on, on growing your store and, and getting that to that first million dollars in revenue, right? Now, some people have managed to put in uh, some, some work and some luck and do tremendous things. So what if I, I said that today's guest sold on a uh, on a had a new product launch new product in the marketplace managed to do with no no real conventional marketing and without kickstarter managed to raise over a million dollars on a product launch in a few months and then on top of it if i told you that this wasn't even this was not just like the year's revenue this was one product and it was a pre-order 
Today's guest is is Andy Bedell from Keysmart. He's joined us before, but now he, you know, they have been they've been successful this whole time, but now they're they're back with this tremendously successful story of their newest product launch and how it did over a million dollars. And Andy's going to pull back the curtain and tell us what happened behind the scenes and how they got there. So, and and full disclosure, we were we helped them with this project and that we put together the they used our app Crowdfunder and we put together their um, their product page template. And things things went well. We're all, of course, very happy with it. So, but uh, if you if you're not familiar with with Mr. Bedell from Keysmart, he's the head of marketing for Keysmart, one of Shopify's largest e-commerce stores. He's an experienced advertiser and email marketer with 20 million in revenue under his belt. And in addition to Keysmart, he's done some other things. He's consulted uh, advertising agencies, e-commerce stores, and several Kickstarter campaigns. And prior to that. He ran advertising for the University of Chicago Booth School of Business Executive Education Department, where I actually, we were probably there at the same time. That's where I got my uh, certificate of integrated marketing. Anyway, Andy, thank you for joining us. Anchor, you, you really got the hype, uh, the hype down. <laughs> thank you. After, after all these episodes, you're just, you're the, you're the best hype guy in podcasting. That's, I want a hype man, but I'm also, like, I enjoy being the hype man. I think I need a hype man. You're good at it. You're good at it. You Thank know. you. Well, the, I think what people don't realize is I don't practice that. Like it is – that is just a, a riff as soon as I start it. And on rare occasion, I'll blow it and I'll have to record it a second time. But in all cases, you're – like 90% of the time, you're listening to just the first take off the top of my head, which I like that. I think it keeps it natural and real or like at worst, the a second take. Yeah, I can I can verify that that was the first take. So. <laughs> Thank you. And I did not pay you to say that. Um, okay. <laughs> So, all right, let, let's go Let's go with the 10,000-foot view. Uh, first, give me, what's the background on Keysmart? What is it? What do you do? Um, so, Keysmart uh, was started in 2013. Um, one of my friends, uh, so I live in Chicago near you. Um, we actually went to high school near each other, uh, but we didn't know each other until we met. Where'd you uh, go to high school? Pod. I went to Hersey High School. Um, so, it's in Arlington Heights. Oh, okay. I went, yeah, Main South and Park Ridge. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, so we're, we're close, close, uh, uh, but we didn't meet until podcasting. So that's kind of weird. But, uh, uh, anyways, uh, so I was working at University of Chicago and a friend, uh, had this idea for a Kickstarter, um, for like, kind of like a, you know, what he described as like a, a pocket knife, uh, for your keys, like, kind of like a Swiss army. Oh, I can't call it a Swiss army knife because Swiss army, uh, sent us a cease and desist. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's like, a, you know, that was like kind of the original idea was that it would be like a, um, kind of a modular keychain. Um, where you could put, you know, you could kind of unscrew the sides and put your regular keys in there as well as put in like bottle opener or a USB drive. And, you know, it honestly, you know, um, when I first heard about it, I thought, wow, that's actually a really good idea, but it's going to fail. Like that was like, you know, you always think that everybody who does anything like entrepreneurial, um, you know, is, you know, is like, ah, that's a good idea, but it's not gonna go anywhere. And then the next thing I know, it was, you know, did 300,000 on kicks, 350,000 on Kickstarter organically. So, you know, he didn't pay, you know, we didn't pay didn't pay for any ads. I wasn't working there at the time. Uh, but, you know, it was just a really, you know, just a very good viral idea. Um, you know, when people see it, they would just share it. Um, you know, just one of those things like, ah, like that aha, aha moment, you know, like, ah, you know, I should have thought of this, you know, it's so simple, but it works. But anyway, so it's a, um, so it's basically just like a functional keychain, uh, like key organizer, basically created the key organizer niche. Um, now there's a bunch of copycats who we are constantly suing. Um, but, Anyways, uh, yeah, and that's 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 a whole another story. Uh, my boss has like a whole you know legal team uh, that we're, we have to constantly engage. But anyways, so if, if anyone uh, was planning on ripping this off, there you go. Don't try it. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a constant battle. Uh, it, it gets easier and easier. It gets easier as time goes on through like, you know, through like IP Shark. And I think I think I mentioned that. Right. Too well, because I have I mean, literally on a weekly basis, I have like uh, would be freelancers and other folks. I'm, I'm flattered, um, but who rip off our our website or content, including the worst offender, took the entire website, including the photos of our office, and then just changed like the address and phone number. Like, uh, and then it was really quite uh, shockingly, he was the most rude about the whole thing. Where everyone else just kind of was like, "Us, ah, we got caught. We'll fix it." I'm like, "All right, fine, no big deal." Uh, but yeah, no, it, it it's annoying and frustrating. And yeah, I use uh, Copyscape, but that's IP Shark is fancier. Yeah, well, it's just you know, for a while I was spending like several. Um, you know, several hours a day calling Amazon and, uh, you know, emailing everybody at Amazon and emailing Jeff at Amazon. You know, you, you, I don't know if you know this, but you email like Jeff at Amazon.com, which is Jeff Bezos' email. And eventually you get an email back sent from Jeff's team saying, oh, Jeff saw your email. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he, he did. And it's like, yeah, I don't think Jeff Bezos really saw my email. But, you know, maybe, maybe one day if I meet him, I'll be like, oh, you're Andy from Keysmart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, so that's Keysmart. Uh, it's been, you know, been a great success um you know honestly it's one of those things that like i i personally would have never bought um you know i would have been like oh, why do i need that but then once i got one for free because i worked there i actually fell in love with the thing and like now like if i lost one and i didn't work there i would actually have to buy one you know uh, so it's like one of those things like you don't really know that you need it until you need it um but that's beside the point uh so one of the things that like he's is like a you know a metal object but one of the things that we'd constantly be getting questions about was you know, can you add a GPS tracker to this? Can you add location tracking to this? Um, and <clears throat> we're not like an electronics company. You know, it's once you add electronics to your, um, you know, to, you know, to manu- manufacturing, it's, uh, it just creates a lot of, you know, potential problems, potential defects, you know, then, you know, and also if you're doing location tracker, you need, you know, not only electronics, but, you know, you need like computer chips and, uh, you know, in GPS chip or, or whatever, you know, network it is. So anyways, um, we were constantly getting questions about that, and um, we had, you know, I'd worked with um, Tile, who is like the um, a Bluetooth location tracker, um, through a couple of email marketing campaigns. But they always were kind of like um, like soft on like working together. Like they wouldn't even like sell me tiles hmm. to to actually sell on Keysmart.com. And so then I, I hired this intern um, to really just you know just help with customer service and do some other stuff. And and in his free time, I asked him if he could. Um, he, he had, he had extra time. So I said, you know, you really kind of just finding things for him to do. I said, you know, why don't you're in charge of like partnerships now? Um, and why don't you just reach out to these companies and, um, you know, try and make a deal. And so he, uh, got in contact with tile and, um, got to the point where, you know, I think, I think it was on Twitter. He got in contact with a guy and, uh, and got to the point where he could hand off the contact to me. And then I kind of, you know, went back and forth with a guy about, you know, different ideas about, you know, what, what we could do and how we could collaborate together. Originally, it was like, you know, should we just have, you know, a tile that could fit into the Keysmart as an accessory or should it be an integrated unit or or what? And so I got to the point where we kind of had decided that we wanted to be an integrated unit. And then I was able to hand it off to my CEO, who's like also the head of our engineering. And, you know, from there, it kind of, you know, it just blossomed and. Since then, it's it's been a really great partnership. Tile Tile's been really good to work with. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know, uh, Tile is a um, a Bluetooth location tracker. It basically, connects to your phone. Um, so your phone is tracking like where your where your uh, where your tile is, and if you um, like basically leave your tile somewhere or you leave your keys somewhere, and so your key smart with it has a tile on it. Uh, 
your phone will like notice that it, you know that the tile was left there and so it'll show on the map that like the last place that your phone tracked the tile and then if somebody is so you can put it into lost mode once it's once it's you know you don't have it anymore and then if somebody who's on the network so on the tile network there's like 13 million i think i know it's more than 10 million uh people if somebody who also has a tile is near it then it will ping them right and basically it'll just um you'll be able to see the location through their device um it sounds kind of complicated but and the other thing the other thing is that it if you're near it it will make your like your tile ring so um there's an explanation of tile so i've got but, all uh, right so i've got my the key spot itself really it's essentially it's like two plates I put my keys in it. It makes it look like a uh, a pocket knife. Uh, we won't specify which one. Um, has kind of that look to it, but really, like it keeps the keys. F- you know, I used to carry a ton of keys because our old office had like a million and one doors, um, and it, it keeps them from jingling. It keeps them from stabbing you in the the thigh, and it's kind of cool. You could stick some accessories on there. Like I always had a bottle opener um, on mine, which came in handy surprisingly often, um, which I liked a lot. And now this this new one. Essentially the same product, but now it's um, you've added um, you you got over your fear of electronics, which it, you're right, it adds a ton of complexity here. Um, but now it's got a tile built into it, so a location tracking device from an established from like the location tracking folks, um, and a little LED flashlight, which is a nice touch for putting your key into the the lock in the dark. Um, right? Did I get that right. Yep, yep, that's that's exactly it. You much more uh, elegantly than I than I stated. <laughs> well, once I listen uh, to you know, once I, I have the advantage of listening to you talk about it, and then I can then suddenly I become succinct, where normally I kind of ramble. Um, okay, so you've got you had you knew the product, you had your existing product, and it was established, and it's a successful business. You guys could have just kept on as is and been fine, but you also have these copycats, so you know you need to innovate, and of course, you know there's always this pressure for growth. Um, and in your situation, it was obvious on how to get that growth was, all right, do new product launches because you can sell the same pro- – like you could sell to new customers and your existing customers. Like you've had three versions of the KeySmart. I have had all three, uh, like the original, the rugged, and then this one. Um, and the <coughs> – what was I going to say? Um, and then you knew like along the way you had people saying, hey, can you add location tracking? Because they're right. I have owned – like, I don't know of which one, but I have owned a couple because I lost my damn keys, had copies made, bought a new key smart, and then, of course, found my keys, right? Um, but, it you know, that's an annoying problem and a fear is you lose your keys. And, it's, you know, and you've got the, the nice key smart. It's annoying. Um, so, like, clearly, if you could achieve that, it was an obvious win. But you didn't want to have to get into, you know, building this technology, and it's better to leverage this existing one. And you were able to get in touch with them by just telling the intern to do it. Yep, that was uh, uh, it. Really worked out well. Yeah, uh, I was I was surprised that we we got through, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things that just it just worked out. So, um, all right. So if I were, it, let's say I I were in a similar position where I knew, all right, like I sell this widget, you know, so I'm gonna I'm not some Yahoo. I'm an established brand, and I know there's another brand that like I don't compete with, but if I put these things together, I'll have synergy. So. What would be your advice for how I should approach them um, about a well, partnership? It, well, it's one of those things where you know they're gonna. I think they're gonna. You're gonna get a lot of rejection. Um, you know, just like in anything else, when you're you know any kind of sales role or, or outreach role, you're gonna get a lot of rejection. So uh, just be persistent. And you know, um, the one thing I can, the biggest recommendation I can give is to look for some like the guy who we got in touch with was like 
um, the head of partnerships. So if you like, if you look on LinkedIn and the company that you're uh, that you want to partner with has some kind of like partnership title, like you know, so if you can find somebody who's like his role, literally it says head of partnerships or partnerships in his title, then that's going to be a person that you're going to know that there's going to be like the right person to reach out to. Because I think I think one of the a lot of things that happened with Tile because I had originally reached out to them and they kind of had blown, you know, had not really been that you know, that excited to work together. Uh, but I think a lot of it really just was, I wasn't reaching the right person. So, um, getting to that right person can really make all the difference. Um, so that's really the biggest advice I can give be persistent and make sure that you, you can, you know, if you can get one person that, uh, that really has the influence, that's going to be all the difference. So it's finding within the organization, it's finding the right person, um, to get in touch with. I mean, like I face this even with, um, and we've started to do some cold outreach, and like, oh, it that um, for sell, like just, you know, for sell, filling our pipeline for through the year and, and selling, um, you know, helping people migrate uh, to Shopify. Um, and that like, oh, my gosh, the amount of rejection you get. So it is like it, certainly it's a numbers game. And for the most part, we get ignored. So that's where we have to be persistent. Be like, hey, did you know, just following up with this. But you don't want to be annoying. You want to be polite so you don't you know, offend anybody. Because certainly I've been on the receiving end of annoying outreach emails on a daily basis. Um <laughs> but you've got to have yep. a bit of a thick skin about it. Um, so would you say, when you say it's, you know, be persistent and it's a numbers game, would that imply like, so look at this a couple of ways. If I could just get emails and contacts at a company, do I just email everybody and CC them all? Do I email them all at once? Do I just like run through the list? Where do I start? Or do I cast a wider net, take a shotgun approach um, and go even bigger and do this like to multiple organizations that fit the bill? Yeah, I think it's actually a really good question. I don't think there's there's one right answer because, you know, it's not like um, when, you, when you're doing cold outreach to, you know, to all these different companies that could migrate, you know, if you blow your shot with one company because you're annoying, you know, then you just move on, right? Because there's, you know, a million different, you know, companies that could move over to their website. Uh, but in terms of partnership, it's a little bit more fragile because, you know, there's only certain, you know, there's only so many companies that are in the right position that you really could partnership. So you don't want to get to the point where you're like overly annoying and you've emailed everybody in the organization. Um, I would, I probably looked to have like, you know, more of a, of a um, you know, it, it's really is hard. I, I would look, I would look on LinkedIn and I would like profile like the different people and try and like rank them from order of like who, who would be the like most likely to have influence that I could possibly reach and kind of just go down the list. Um, and try not to be super annoying, but like maybe reach out every couple of months or, um, you know, and just, just really just state. And also the other thing is like, you know, just like in PR where you just really want to state how this is going to help them. Right. You know, you, you have a gigantic, yeah, right. You have a gigantic email list. You have, uh, you know, you're a good direct response, you know, tile for instance is really, really good at, um, like, uh, retail sales. They're in Best Buy, they're in, you know, um, they're like one of the top sellers on Amazon, even though that's not really retail, but, um, you know, in the traditional sense, but you know, they're, they're in targets they're in Walmarts there. So Keysmart, for example, was never really that appealing to a lot of retailers because of the price. Uh, a lot of retailers wanted the price to be under $10 so that it could be in the impulse aisle. Um, and for us, that just, we, we can't sell it for $10 cause that would just really destroy our, our kind of like our online business. Um, so we were always had this kind of like channel conflict where we could get into retail, but they wanted it to be much cheaper than it was. But then once we had the, the tile, um, integrated into the key smart, you know, 
there tile already has a lot of you know retail relationships and so just saying that we had the tile with the keysmart has opened up a lot of doors mm. and in 2000 yeah 2018 you're going to you're going to see keysmart you know in much more mainstream spots and also tile has been helpful to you know to us to you know make introductions um but yeah, so you you know we're but we we have a really good you know we're direct response focused or you know at least you know we're, we we do everything. But um, traditionally, we had been you know the majority of our sales were from direct response, and we have a you know very very large email list, and we just can do we can get more people onto the tile ecosystem, and then the more people that have a tile, then the more people using the tile apps, and uh, it just really helps you know it's it's just mutually beneficial. So you really want to figure out what is that mutually beneficial spot that you know that you can really you know say to them and so it's it's, it's kind of like i don't know if i'm giving a really good answer it's you really want you need to kind of just figure out what is that story you're going to tell that's going to be mutually beneficial and then figure out how you can tell it to the right people and that's going to be through linkedin and you know especially if they have somebody in their in their at their organization that's head of partnerships or like a marketing person or you know somebody you know just somebody who's who's you know looking to grow the business um and if you can find that you're going to you know um, a lot, especially a lot of established companies do have people who like literally it's their job to find partnerships. Um, so if you can find that, then you know, it's, it's going to be great, but there's also going to be times where you can just, um, you know, we both work with like Paul from, uh, from cozy phones and, and that guy is like a killer, um, like business development guy. He just, you know, he's just always talking to people. So, you know, just keeping your ears open, um, and just, uh, just being friendly really, you know, but. I don't know if that's a really good answer, but <laughs> no, it, <laughs> just it, keep trying. I think – no, there's two approaches there. You're saying um, there's passive versus active. So kind of like Paul Paul Miller from Cozy Mo- Phones, who really he is a, you know, a, a tremendous business and partnerships have helped him um, where he has like licensed versions of his headphone product now, which is fantastic. Um, but so like a passive approach is, you know, just, just networking – with people, meeting with people, and not asking them for anything. Just, you know, just being present. Um, that can create, certainly, that can create opportunities. You can make your own luck that way versus your approach was more, um, was active where you knew like, okay, this is what we're trying to get out of it. But what you're saying is when you reach out to someone, it can't be about you, the person, at like you can't be asking for a favor. It's very difficult. You have to pitch it as, hey, here's, like this is this opportunity and here's what's in it for you, um, you know, for tile. So what, how did you, um, and then once it's set up, like obviously it had larger benefits, like, yeah, you were able to create this product, but you also now, you know, retailers took it more seriously, um, and stop, you know, trying to, trying to bang you out on the price, um, and said, okay, well we know and trust tile. So we know, you know like implicitly some of that authority and trust rubs off onto KeySmart, Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. So what um well really, what was your hook when you went when you went uh, to Tile and said what was in it for them? Um really just the the fact that we were um really good Facebook advertisers at the time we were, you know, converting, you know, over a thousand, you know, when we when we did the reach out, we were converting over a thousand customers a day to Keysmart. Um, which means you know, we had over a thousand new customers a day. So um, basically we were, we were able to say, you know, we're going to be able to sell a bunch of these things. It's going to be beneficial for you guys. You're going to get more people to download the app. And the way that tile works is that it's, it's got that network. Of, like I said, like if you lost your keys, somebody else can, can track it with their phone. And it's not like they would actually, 
I don't want to get into the technology too much, but uh, it's not like they would actually know that they were tracking it. It's just like that their phone like silently tracks it. And yeah, it, it acts like it. a beacon. Like it's a, yeah. all everyone who is using tile is acting as a mesh network for all tile finds, but it's totally hidden from you. You never see it or notice it happening. Yeah, so it's not like the security concerns. But that being said, um, the more people that have key smart tiles, that means the more people on the network, which means that just a stronger network and uh, everything works better. So uh, our hook to them was really that, you know, that we're going to if we can really what I t- what I told the guy when, when I got on the phone with him was that, you know, if we can make this integrated unit, we can make this our lead in product. So some some stores have, um, you know, many lead in products, meaning that, like, you know, there's one of you know dozens of products could be what brings person into the person to the new into the store for the first time. For us, KeySmart traditionally has been like one lead in product, meaning the KeySmart is like what brings people into the store. And then from there, we can convert them on, you know, different accessories and different stuff. But we don't have like multiple, like we release wallets and we release other things that really have been successful as, you know, increasing lifetime value, but have not been that successful of bringing in new customers. Um, so what I did tell them was that, you know, if we can make this our new lead in product, then this would be like basically what we advertise. And then if this becomes like the the like the new thing that's our number one seller, then we can sell a ton of these things and it'll be just be mutually beneficial. And they really like that. And, um, you know, the rest is the rest is history, I guess. It's true. I had never been to your point. You know, I was a KeySmart customer, but I'd never been a Tile customer. And then to use it, I did download the Tile app and it was a very good experience. And then it shows like in there, it shows. I was immediately introduced to their other products through the app. So now, like, even though I've never bought specifically a Tile product direct from Tile, I have, like, I'm familiar with the product. I have recommended it to people. Um, so, yeah, like, your promise to them was fulfilled anecdotally. Um, but, okay, so wrapping up this or the, the partnership side of the discussion where you had developed this thing and, it you know, it clearly it worked out well um, – BizDev, in this sense, in terms of partnerships, isn't something that I hear talked about a lot in e-commerce or, you know, on on this show. Do you think, and total softball question here, but like, I, do you think more companies should be thinking about this, making, you know, a concerted effort to do this for 2018? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's... Um... It's it's just something that nobody's really most people aren't thinking about it, you know, especially in e-commerce where it's 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 I feel like e-commerce is one of those industries where it's or it, it's it's almost like the Wild West, right? Everybody's on their own and they and they feel like it's kind of like it's, sometimes you feel like you're at war, right? You know, um, I don't know if I'm sounding weird. Uh, well, but no, it's, and certainly like, yeah, it can hi- get hyper competitive. Um, you know, it's like from my like in our business, I don't see like I don't have. I don't have competitors. I got friends I haven't made yet, right? Like I have a Slack channel that's a whole bunch of other agency owners. And certainly those people, like we could compete and bid on the same projects, but it has worked tremendously well to have those partnerships, um, you know, and and share ideas and and help support and grow each other. And that's sort of what you're, you're advocating here is like, get rid of that. Like, yeah, there's competition, but have an abundance mentality, work past it and start trying to start trying to make friends, you know, be, take that, that Paul Miller approach. And, and the thing is, when you, you know, I used to, you know, uh, I feel like there's the, there's a difference between like people who work at, like when you work at corporate, you work at like, you know, big, big, large teams and it's all about, you know, getting together and doing these things as teams. But when you're with a lot of the e-commerce businesses, you know, they've kind of shunned the whole corporate culture and it's like these, you know, lone, you know, small groups that, you know, do everything by themselves and, um, you know, aren't usually- A lot of sole proprietors, to, yeah. Yeah, right. Aren't used to like collaborating as much. Um 
And so what I'm just basically trying to say is that, you know, that you overlook the fact that, you know, that you could, uh, you know, that you could partner with these people. Um, and then, you know, maybe you send out an email and they don't respond and then you get upset and then it makes things worse. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's where it becomes persistence again. Uh, but, yeah, it's one of those things that you definitely should be thinking about. Um, you know, how can we how can we get our, you know, our customer, our customer bases together? Because. You know, it, it's a big thing, especially like, I mean, like for you, like, you know, I guarantee that one of the biggest ways that you get people to listen to this podcast is by guest podcasting. Right. And it's similar for, you know, guests, you know, for for outreach, for partnerships is, you know, this other company has this huge, you know, um, fan base. And by leveraging their technology into your own and you can kind of combine and, you know, and cross pollinate, uh, if that makes sense. Um, right. I, I mean, I, I guarantee that, you know, every podcast I listen to, I feel like. You know, I've I've listened to like guests on your podcast, like the the guy from Shop Message last week. You know, all of a sudden I'm using Argent, it. Yeah, Argent, You know, all of a sudden I'm using Shop Message, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've listened to you know uh, John McIntyre, the email marketing guy, and all of a sudden I'm listening to tons of his email marketing uh, podcast. Um, so it's really just taking advantage of other people's technologies, other people's work, and you know their their huge email marketing list. And um, there's just there's just so many ways you can go with partnerships. Um, but it's it's not it's not super easy. It's either it's it takes time. So uh, I can see why people don't spend as much time on it because it's not as it's not as sexy as Facebook ads. It doesn't give you that immediate um, you know uh, satisfaction. Uh, but it can really open up new new doors and um, you know it, it, it's awesome. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. For clearly it has it has worked out well here. Um, and they're not all going to work out, but. It, it's worth a shot, but you're right. It's also it's a much longer term effort versus like you know if if you put in the effort, you could start and theoretically you could have a hugely successful Facebook ad campaign in a single day. Is that realistic? No, but it's possible. Whereas like this outreach thing is is very much planting a garden. It's probably more like a you know three six nine month thing that you're trying to work out. Um, actually, so how long like start to start to to launch? How long did that tile deal take? I want to say last October or last last November was when it, it we first got contact with them on and then uh, you so know nearly the, a year yeah I think we I think we had the go ahead that we were going to do this in January I want to say and then engineer then they hooked us up with their with their um, you know so my boss Michael is an engineer but he uh, doesn't have as much experience with electronics and then also just like the you know the um, the tile chip and everything like that. So we had to work with a, a firm, I think they're called Blue Clover and they're an engineering firm that uh, helped us work with a, a manufacturer and they, so we can basically design the whole thing. Um, All right, get yourself, get yourself on mic, buddy. Go a little closer to that microphone. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, uh, there we so, go. so anyways, we worked with, um, you know, it basically took about a year. So it took like nine months from, from, because we launched in July. I want to say, oh, actually they, you know, they, you, we did the pre-launch in July, but they didn't ship till mid September. Um, so yeah, uh, took a long time. All right. Switching gears. What, so you, you did the partnership, you've got the product, you've got, you know, everything is, is nearing, it's going to be ready. Now you have to actually sell the damn thing. How'd you start? Cause obviously you did not manufacture it, then try and sell it just as a product. You started very early with pre-order. So what was, walk me through that process. Let's start with, with step one here. Yeah, so we knew we wanted to do um, like some kind of like um, crowdfund. Um, you know, we Kick, Keysmart had been really successful on Kickstarter before, um, but we, we weren't really sure we weren't really sure that we wanted to go on Kickstarter um, just because you know Kickstarter takes about five percent um, of total revenue, and we just we just weren't sure that we. I think it's was, more than that now. Is it more than that? Okay, well, so I think we it's just seven. 
but yeah, I don't the, know. I don't want to get it wrong. The biggest thing, I think, I'll Google it. The biggest thing was that we didn't. I, I now that I remember, it's, uh, it's a little hazy. But the biggest thing, the reason we didn't want to go to Kickstarter was because of the fact that you can't have a Facebook pixel on there, and that could be changed now. Um, but you don't have, a, you can't put the Facebook pixel on there, so you can't run website conversion ads, or you can't run that. You you know, so if you run Facebook ads, website conversion ads are the best. They you know, then you can track the, the purchases, and that's how basically it, it all works. And if you can't track the purchases, then the website conversion just tactic doesn't really work very well because. You're not really tracking anything. Um, so that was one of the things that we, we wanted to make sure that we had it on our own site so that we could run Facebook ads better. Um, and so that's where we came with the idea that we wanted to do the your, use your crowdfunder app um, because it basically turns your own website into a, you know, into like something that looks like Kickstarter. Um, and so then we did that. Um, we worked with you to create a custom page. Um, and we Which did I've, like. I've linked to that in the show notes so people can see it. Cool. Yeah. Um, so we created that custom page and uh, then we just did a lot, you know, did a lot of email marketing, um, you know, did a lot of, you know, letting people know that, you know, it's coming. We did a um, we did actually did a wait list to for the Kickstarter. Uh, so it was, uh, people signed up to be the first person to get access to, or I guess not a Kickstarter, for, people signed up for the wait list to get the access to the uh, the pre-order for Keysmart Tile. And, you know, we just did a lot of email marketing and Facebook advertising. And, you know, when we launched that, when we opened the, uh, the actual, uh, tile pre-order, I think we were at 250,000, um, within like a couple days. And it was really, it was really just the, um, it just took us a couple days to work, work through the, the pre-order list or the, not the pre-order list, the, uh, the wait list. Um, so by the time we were, we had emailed everybody on the wait list, I think we were at like 300,000 or 350,000 or so. Um, so it was really, it was definitely a really, and, and that paid for all of our engineering costs and really everything to launch. Um, so all in all, it was, you know, it was really successful. And, uh, you know, the, we really feel like the, um, like the crowdfunder app helped us to, with, um, like social proof, just people seeing, you know, it really created, yeah. you know, it, everybody could see, um, very, you know, very visually, um, you know, how much was raised and that this was a real thing. And, and, um, and I, I don't know, it just worked out really well. <laughs> All right. So to break this down, um, the, uh, what the crowdfunder app does, uh, it, it is my app. So clearly I'm biased in favor of it. Um, but the, it's a, a widget, uh, that goes, that it goes on your product page. You can make it work on other pages, but it's intended to just like goes on the product page and it shows how many, um, you set a goal, either financial. So you say, All right we want to raise $5,000 or we want to sell 500 units. So in this case, it was the goal was $5,000. Um, and then it'll show what percentage it's reached, what the, what, how much has been raised or how many have been ordered or how many supporters there are. So it's going to figure out, like, and it, it looks at inventory to figure it out. Um, so in this case, it's like for KeySmart, it's saying, all right, 15,000 supporters, $1.3 million raised of a $5,000 goal. That's 25,000% funded. And then it has a timer. So it'll say like, this is how long, how long you have left, um, for till when this ends. Uh, and then you can let it, you could choose to either have it like end. If not, it'll, what it does, it just hides the end to cart button. Um, so effectively ending the, the thing. So you could choose to have it get rid of that. If it's not funded, get rid of it no matter what at the time, or just leave it alone. And that's what most people do. Um, so, okay. In your case, you, you created a, a custom, uh, page. It was very cool. And it's like, it's kind of direct marketer. Um, and you guys designed it. We did the development on it. Um, but it leads, you know, just huge. It's got the the product title, the crowdfunder widget right up top, and a video. And I think um, for something 
any video is always tremendously helpful. Um, I think it, they're not difficult at all to create anymore. Uh, and then they, they add a lot of um, professionalism and social proof. And then you've got a quick five-letter tagline. Oh, this is how we met. Is I, I took you to task as an example of bad positioning before we'd ever met. And here, like, clearly you figured it out um, because it says, KeySmart, the world's smartest key holder. D- amazing. Like five words will drop, you know, really like three words tell us exactly what the product is. And that's so hard to do. Smartest key holder. I love it. Then we've got some like social proof where you rattle off uh, the logos of people who had written about it. Um, Gizmodo, Verge, etc. cetera. Uh, we got another tagline, minimalist key, or- minimalist key organizer plus Bluetooth tracker. All right, still five words, keeping it so simple. Um, a nice 3D render of it. And then you start running through the benefits where you go, never lose your keys again. And it shows like my keys on a map. Finding your keys has never been easier. And it's sort of, it's walking through a tutorial where it's showing like, hey, this is, this is how it works. Um, and then you can also like use your key smart to find your phone. So it works in reverse, just like the tile does. Um, another advantage of just the standard key, mar- key smart, you show this huge pile of keys that all fit into a single key smart. That's essentially like before and after. So really spelling out like these are the pains and these are the benefits. These are the things it's it's solving um, and then running through like, all right, so I'm sold on that, but I go, okay, now I'm going to have some objections. Well, immediately you run into that too, where you go, hey, it, it includes a rechargeable battery that lasts three months. Okay. Objection one done. And then you start running through, um, you know, some more features. And finally, you asked me to buy the thing. And here you did something smart. Rather than just settle for, okay, buy it, you went with, um, you gave four options, which I love it, but it was all the same thing. So it was, you can get, it was, um, you could buy one, two, or three key smarts, and it tells you how much you're saving on it. And that's like the biggest number we give. So we say, on the most expensive one, we go, well, you're saving, saving $35. You're not spending $145. You're saving $35. So really, it feels like you're giving something up when you don't buy the most expensive option because you are losing that discount. Um, and then it's not obvious now, but early on, you did you had something clever with this wait list um, where you said like, there was a fourth option that's no longer visible. And the fourth option was a limited one that was like the ultra bundle. What was that? Uh, I call it the granddaddy pack and that was the granddaddy pack. Yeah. It was a bunch of, uh, it was really just like pretty much like every product that we own. And, and really that was just a lost leader. Right. Um, so if you think about, uh, black Friday deals, you know, you got that, like the one TV that's like, you know, like a 60 inch led TV that's like 60 bucks or something like that. And they have like three of them in the store. Um, and you know, you, you show up and you know, they don't have them anymore. Uh, so that's really what that was. That was the granddaddy pack was really meant to, to get everybody super excited. And how much was the granddaddy pack? It was 60 bucks. So I think how it, many did you have? Cause it was limited. Actually, you know, it was only $50. We had, we had a hundred of them. And so we, we have a, a closed group. That's uh the key smart VIPs, which, uh, um, you know, just a bunch of really great key smart customers, uh, who, you know, who just are really passionate about key smart. And I know you're part of the group too. Um, and, uh, um, so that's where we, that's where we, you know, those people got first access to the, to the pre-order or to the, to the wait list. Um, and then they pretty much, you know, they were up, you know, all they, he, he, I don't know if you remember, but they, they had all these memes and stuff like that going when they were waiting for the wait list. And they, uh, yeah, they were genuinely excited about it. And that's yeah, like, <laughs> oh, man, you crazy. do these great, like if you're on the key smart newsletter, you do not get an email from Keysmart. You get an email from Andy at Keysmart and it's plain text and it's like Andy talking about his day and what he's doing for you. And it's all it's like it's fun, it's cheeky, it's great. Um 
But this like this limited thing where you had like here's the first 100 and it's this mega deal and it's at a loss and it's the granddaddy pack. What was great about that and you only like you did it um, as like to the waitlisted to the VIP customers. You sold the thing out in the first day and what it did was force the it rammed the price up. So immediately like after, on day one you had the the campaign had hit uh, $6,000. You guaranteed you'd hit $6,000 with a $5,000 goal. So day one, it looked funded. It looked overfunded where it said like over 100%. And it would show, um, you know, at least 100 supporters. Yep. Yep. And it really, yeah, just, it just, everybody just kind of rushed for that door. You know, if you think about it, it's almost, it's the exact same thing as like, you know, uh, uh, you know, Black Friday, everybody kind of just, you know, rushing in. It's, but instead it's digitally, right? And so uh, everybody's really excited about getting that granddaddy pack. And then you have your, you know, your evangelist. Those people are your biggest advocates. So even if you, you know, we lost money on those, honestly, like those, that's actually, that's what the truth is those granddaddy packs we lost money on, but those customers are our are, are best customers. We love them. They love us and they, um, they really advocate for us. So it was, and you know, on top of that, it really created, you know, we already had those, you know, initial backers and, um, so it really worked well. So, um, and so on the, no, it, it clearly it was brilliant. Um, I think that was that's for sure one of the smart things you did, and then it like perfectly plays into using crowdfunder because it shows now the first thing on the page is this social proof, and then there's a bit of like, you know, me too. I don't want to miss out. So when I see like, oh, other people want this thing, all right, well, there's something here. I should check it out too. Um, so I think that was that's bright and smart. Um, but then you you did something else. You didn't just and you you touched on this a little bit, um, but clarified for me. You didn't just send. You know, you've got this massive newsletter, tens of thousands of people on this newsletter. Um, you didn't just send out an email to everybody and go like, because that's you know, I figure like that would be what most people do. <laughs> so you build um, anticipation where you like you tease the thing. You're like, oh, we got this thing coming down the road, and then you you made people get on a wait list for it to find out about the thing that you're trying to sell them. You got to get on a wait list, and then so only they found out first, and then you kind of you staggered it out. What was the Rather than just you know building the anticipation and announcing it to everybody all at once, so what was the what's the logic there? Well, so the, the we wanted to make sure that the the okay, so a couple of things. Um, you st- you st- I learned this a couple of years ago. Um, through, I took the autoresponder madness. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's like a Andre, Andre oh, Shop. Yeah, so you know <laughs> he's like this like email marketing guru, and it's actually a really good course. I think it's like six hundred bucks, but uh, it's a really good course, and he really talks about how. Um, you know, mysteries. So first off, everybody loves a mystery, right? You know what I mean? It's just like intriguing and uh, it it really just makes like, what is it? Right. You know? So, um, you know, I learned there that, you know, when you release things like mystery style, um, it creates what's called cognitive dissonance where your brain. I love that phrase. One of my favorite phrases. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So your, your brain can't close down the case. Right. So your brain likes to take, you know, likes to have a thought and like, you know, complete that thought and, you know, then move on. But when you have like this mystery thing, it's like, man, what is it? And, it, and you can't complete the thought. So it just stays with you. And you're wondering, you're wondering what, what is this thing? Uh, so we started out initially with some, kind of like a mystery, you know, a mystery thing to really get, you know, what is it? You know, we're coming out with something big, you know? Um, so there's a couple emails like that, just really get everybody super excited. And then, you know, then we went on to the wait list and all this stuff really builds anticipation, you know? Um, it's one of those things where, um, 
you know, you just your your final launch email is going to be super amplified because of all the anticipation you've built up. Um, so we basically uh, had this this wait list, um, and then we took a couple days. We wanted to make sure that the people on the wait list actually, um, you know, got um, some preferential treatment. You know, so they got to order before other people. Um, so once we had that wait list built up, I think we had like twenty thousand people signed up. Then it just took a little, like literally, then it was just the mechanics of the wait list. It just took a little while for. We wanted to give each, you know, we took we did it like in tiers. So like, you know, group, you know, um, you know, um, sign up number a thousand to two thousand. You know, for you know, got a couple hours just to to make their purchase, and then then we moved on to the next tier, and then that that process really just took about a week or so. Um, so it really took a week to move through the wait list. And then we opened it up to everybody else who hadn't signed up for the wait list. Um, and it really worked out really well. Um, and yeah, was there a, an app or service you used to do the wait list? Yeah. The, uh, the wait list was, uh, kickbacker. Um, and you, it, it, people can go back to, uh, the, the episode you did with Reed, uh, Reed Covington. Yeah. Reed Covington. Uh, he, you know, we're, we're friends. We're, we're in that, uh, that Slack group that you know, that you're a part of now. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, I kind of took that from Reed. It's the, it's the Kickstarter is a, no, it's not Kickstarter. Kickbacker is, uh, um, it's just basically a waitlist app that it has like, uh, people can sign up for the waitlist and then you give, um, you basically allow them to, to refer their friends. And if they refer enough friends, um, then they can move up, move up in the waitlist or get preferential treatment. So people that were top referrers got, um, access to the key smart at a discount price um earlier than other people um but they didn't get the granddaddy pack it was only for the the uh the vips but anyway yeah the vip group um so yeah we use kickbacker um that worked really well uh, if, if anybody go if you can just go back to the, in the shot in your unofficial shopify logs and look up the um the one with reed covington uh he you know he explains how, how that all works cool yeah yeah he walked through like um what because they did their store was the first – they had approached us and said, hey, do you think we could do this like crowdfunding thing on our site? And we're like, I don't know. Um, and we messed with it. And that was like the origin of how we came up with Crowdfunder. Um, okay. So your your strategy here was you built mystery and anticipation with – and how many emails do you think that sequence was? Oh, man. I don't even know. It's uh, just like this podcast. You know, you say it's a labor of love. You know, my, my emails are a labor of love too. Uh I can't really remember. I mean, it was it was a good, you know, 10, 15 emails. Uh, okay. You know. So quite a few. And like no one gets annoyed by it because you're building. They want to know what the mystery is. I won't say no one gets annoyed by it. but There's always going to be some guy. <laughs> yeah. I hope you die. <laughs> like, thanks, Chucklehead. That's really helpful. <laughs> you call, I've, I've definitely got a couple of those. Uh, <laughs> and I, for those people, I just scroll down and click on subscribe. I had yeah. someone who told me my IQ must be room temperature because I started an email with, hey, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, all right yeah it's funny how people did want to like you know like the they want to tell you that you're an idiot and, but they just don't understand <laughs> right? yeah it's like all right fine you don't just let me let me go ahead and unsubscribe you move on with your life um all right so you sent like 10 to 15 emails before you'd even announce the product and you used kickbacker to get people on this wait list and kickbacker is cool because it adds this social element where it encourages them to share it so then we kind of get you get some extra bonus bonus subscribers and people on the wait list. Um, and then you announced it. I assume this is like part of Kickbacker, but you announced it in tiers. Um, and it made it, it like it really did, even though there's just emails and a URL, it made it feel like an event. Because like even though I helped cr- help build the campaign with you um, or build, you know, a piece of it and was familiar with everything and what the plan was, 
I was getting the emails and I was still like, oh, wow, <laughs> cool. You know, um, thought it was fun. And then from there. Um, My CEO told me, he's like, he's like, uh, uh, man, I've been receiving these emails. And he's like, I'm excited to buy the thing now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really. Yeah, no, you, you did a great job with it. Um, and I use a kickbacker was cool. It helped. Um, and then once you. Let's see. So how long did it take to like run through the wait list and to when you did? All right. Just this is announced to everybody now. Oh, it was like about a week, I would say. Um, oh, OK. It took it took a lot because I remember you tech because we we are really soft. We, like we, we launched it and the original people were just the granddaddy pack people. So it was just like 100 people that I launched it to initially. And I and again, those people we were all losing money on. So. Uh, but anyway, so we needed to wait enough time for all of them to get their granddaddy packs before we launched other people. And then I remember we launched it to like the first like thousand or so people then the next day and then a few more people. And then we then we started when we launched it to a several thousand, like I think like a, like three or four day, days later. I remember you texted me and you said, like, are you really at two hundred fifty thousand? Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was slow. You know, it was a slow build up because we were, you know, and also the other thing that was good, you know, is just in general is if you can, you know, um release it you know slowly then you can find any there were no bugs but you know just releasing it slowly you know helps to you know uncover things before the you know yes yeah you always want you know even if you don't have the space to do like to send it to you know to stagger it to people over a week the way you did you know at least take like you know send it to 10 people and then 100 people so that way if something like with something this big you know you just want to make sure um you have that like a little bit of space, a little bit of room to breathe with a, a soft launch, you know, just in case. Because like we could test it, you know, all we want. There's there's always going to be like some goofball scenario with like, you know, the someone's like, well, you know, when I connect to it, when I look at the site over Wi-Fi from, you know, my my Gen 1 iPad that I've jailbroken and turned landscape, it doesn't work like, oh, great. Um, you always end like, up with scenarios like that, right? Like Internet Explorer, right? Yeah. Yes. It's like, oh, the video doesn't play in IE8. <laughs> oh, really? That's odd. Um, shocker. Okay. So having like clearly you're on the other side of this now and you're in an interesting position where you have had – you have successful Kickstarter campaigns under your belt and now this successful crowdfunding campaign from within your own store. And you said no, the pros there um, – like you're in total control. Like, so we were able to, we don't have to deal with Kickstarter, you know, cause they have to approve your campaign. Um, so we can do whatever we want within reason. Um, we're able to style the page. However, like you guys came up with the full design. We're able to develop it, style it however you wanted, um, revise it along the way. Uh, and so with, with Kickstarter, you pay 5% to them for a successful uh, launch. And then you pay a payment processor fee, which is like three to 5%. Well, automatically, even if it's at 3%, that's still higher than Shopify payments is going to be. Um, so number, like you're saving money on the fees there. So that's the other the other big pro advantage. Are there other pros to doing it on your own site versus Kickstarter that I may be missing? Yeah, like the one thing I said that the biggest pro- Oh, the Facebook pixel. Yeah, the Facebook pixel. So people don't, that, so the way that Facebook works is that you have the pixel that tracks purchases and um, so the website conversion tactic is the best way to advertise and without getting too t- technical, the way it works is it just, you know, let's say that you run 10,000 ads and 30 people um, purchase. Well, Facebook tracks those 30 people and then it does, um, it basically looks at those 30 people and does basically a um, 
correlation to see what is similar about these people. And then it starts delivering your delivering your your next ads to people that are similar to those 30 people. But if you don't if you can't track who was making purchases, then Facebook has no idea, you know, who's purchasing and they can't do any kind of uh, correlations. So um, that really hurts the website conversion tactic, which then just really hurts your overall performance. Um, so that's, that was the, really the one thing that we wanted to look for was somewhere where we could advertise where we could still use the, um, you know, website conversion tactic. Right. Yeah. It's just, you get this, this tremendous flexibility in your options because it's just running on the Shopify store. All right. Now try to talk me out of it. What would be the advantage to using, to going with Kickstarter versus doing it on your own site? Um, the, you know, so, um, it would just be their traffic, right? So if, if you can get to the top of Kickstarter, if you can get like, you know, as a featured product on Kickstarter, then you, you really could open the doors up and, you know, like the original KeySmart, you know, my CEO just posted it on Kickstarter and went to sleep and the next morning (laughs) it was at like 15,000. And so it had been chosen as like, you know, you know, Kickstarter, you know, product, like, you know, Kickstarter featured product. And it was just very viral. So if if something like that happens where, you know, you're going to have, you have a huge amount of people that just log on to kickstarter.com every day and just browse. So if you can get, if you can get up to the top of the organic traffic on Kickstarter, then you can really kill it. And, you know, then you, you know, it doesn't, you know, that, so if that like basically organic traffic, you know, means more to you than the amount of, you know, sales that you're going to do through website conversion tactics. And if it, you know, if you're going to get more people than you would that. And so if, if, if it means more than the 5% take that they give you or that they take from you, then yeah, then it, it just makes a lot of sense to be on Kickstarter. Uh, also, yeah. if, you don't, if you don't have your own, if you don't have your own property built up, like, you know, we had KeySmart, we had a huge email list and all, you know, all this other stuff. If you don't have anything built up, you might as well just go on kickstarter.com. Um, I agree. Yeah. That's really like the big thing to use it because Kickstarter is a marketplace and the big advantage to marketplaces, like the thing people hate is, all right, it's out of my hands. Like they could kick me off or tell me no uh, and I got to pay them a fee. But they're also giving – they're handing you their traffic. You're getting access to their eyeballs. Um, so like Etsy, eBay, Amazon and Kickstarter, that's the big advantage there is you're getting an audience. Yep. That's exactly it. Yeah. It's same with like Amazon too, right? I mean it's similar. Yeah. It's- you, know, you don't get the website conversion tactic on Amazon, but at the same time, if you can start selling on Amazon, you can get to the top of their their SEO. Um, it's like they just it's just like they just, it's just insane how much money you can make uh, just because their traffic is just out of control. Yeah. Um, by the way. All right, we're coming to the end of our time together, or rather, we're we're over. We're at the end of our time together. Yeah, <laughs> Do you have any? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of good information here, and I didn't I didn't want to give anything up. Um, so, any closing thoughts here? Like, what what's one thing? Uh, for the new year, you wish every Shopify store owner would do, or you've got the platform. What's a piece of misinformation that drives you nuts? You can correct it now. Um, hmm. Well, I guess one thing is, uh, I guess I, I'll, one thing I'll say is besides business development and Kickstarters and all this other stuff, uh, one thing I'll say that's interesting is that we've learned is I've released a lot of new products. And, you know, if you, if you're someone like someone like us has got really one major lead in product, you know, your biggest product releases are going to be new models, meaning that like that, you know, you kind of take the iPhone approach where they come out with a new model every year and you have just consistent innovation because everybody's kind of looking for that new model. Um, and with, you know, adding electronics and stuff to the key smart really allowed us not like now we have com- like I'm sure you've heard of Moore's law where, you know, computer chips and, um, you know, expand, you know, they're double in, in capacity every 18 months. Um, so we were just working with just like, you know, um, pieces of metal 
like the innovation wasn't as obvious. It was like, what are we really going to do, you know, next year? That's going to be a new model, you know, uh, you know, the rugged was great, but then it was like, well, what's, what's the next thing? And now that we have more, you know, more electronic components and, and the, the tile trackers in them, you know, the tile is constantly innovating and, you know, increasing the, you know, um, the technology of the tile, making it so it, it works for, you know, uh, they just doubled the amount of length that the Bluetooth tracker works in. And, um, so stuff like that, you know, just new model expansions, like, you know, um, on a yearly basis can really drive in consistent revenue and increase your lifetime value. So just focus on that LTV. I, yes, I agree. I love it. Uh, I always say, if, you know, focus on like pick one key performance indicator, LTV is a good one. Um, you know, and spend, say, like come up with a plan to fix that. Maybe it's 30 days, maybe it's 12 weeks to try and raise that one that one KPI. Otherwise, you know, if you're trying to do them all, all the time, just find yourself going, you know, an inch in every direction every month. Um, but yes, no, very, very good advice from a, a certainly a successful marketer. Uh, Andy, thank you. Where could people go to learn more about you? Uh, well, you know, I, I have a Facebook advertising course, uh, FB, what's it called? FBvideocourse.com. Uh, if you want to take that, it's really just about how to make a, uh, how to make a video ad. Um, so if you want to do that, or you just go on KeySmart and buy a KeySmart. And uh, that's, that's that's also a good way to learn about me because then you'll get all my emails. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I will close with saying that, uh, you know, the KeySmart is like, you know, um, if you've heard about KeySmart before and you, you hadn't thought about buying it, I, I really do recommend that you, you give it another shot. Um, it's one of those things that like I personally would have never bought. But then once I had it, um, I, now I couldn't now I couldn't go back to a regular keychain. Uh, you know, that bulky mess is just ugh. Uh, I know that you love the Keysmart too, so uh, I guess that would be one takeaway: is, is buy Crowdfunder and buy uh, buy Keysmart. <laughs> Thank you, I, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, it, it's a good product. Uh, all right, I have I will link to your your video course URL in the show notes. Um, and Andy, thank you, very helpful. I appreciate it. Thank you. I got I got a team meeting now, and I'm a little bit late for, but uh, it was, all right, it was great. I will. So that's that's it for us today at the unofficial Shopify podcast. I want to hear your thoughts. I know you're on your phone. Go get on Facebook, search for our Facebook group. It's called the unofficial Shopify podcast insiders. Come talk to us. Sign up for my newsletter, kurtelster.com. Shoot me an email. Either way, you're going to be notified whenever a new episode goes live. And of course, if you'd like to work with me on your next project, you can apply at ethercycle.com slash apply. And as always, thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.